So welcome to the ESPN Player Gridiron College Football Show. I'm Simon Clancy along with Matthew Sherry. Welcome to our pre-podcast primer, a sort of introduction of what's to come this season here as part of the Gridiron Network, a season's worth of insight, interviews and opinion of what we believe to be the very best form of this beautiful game. Every Saturday in autumn, the sights, the sounds and the pageantry of college football from Ramajama Yellowhammer in the Deep South via the Pony Express, the Cornhusk Estate and all the way up the Pacific Northwest Trail to the beauty of Husky Stadium. And Matthew, uh, another what looks like another amazing college football season ahead of us. Yeah, absolutely, Sam. I think we're, we're both extremely excited to to get this underway. Just a, just a quick story for the listeners as to how this came about. Me and Simon last year had a pretty amazing day that we were reminiscing about just, just a couple of days ago planning this first couple of shows. And that day was spent at the last chance you... East Mississippi Community College gets games followed quickly by a drive across Mississippi to Mississippi State, Alabama. And I remember us being sat there in that stadium with the cowbells and just transfixed by the, the pageantry and the magic of college football. And I think it was on the, the long five-hour drive to Atlanta after that where we, we both just said to each other, we need to do a college football podcast. We need to have more people in the UK listening to this so we're very pleased to to have ESPN player on board and to be able to bring you this and I, I think this is outside of when I first started the uh, Gridiron the magazine this is as excited as I've ever been for for something that we're doing as a new project on Gridiron it's going to be a lot of fun and this is obviously not our first trip to the rodeo when it comes to college football is it you know that wasn't our first time of seeing college football I mean for me I got into college football in the 80s I can remember you know guys like Steve Taylor and, and Gordy Lockbaum of, uh, of uh, the kind of two-way standout who went to Holy Cross, almost won the Heisman Trophy uh, back in the kind of mid to late 80s, amply at Florida State, all those kind of players right the way up through the Tommy Frazier and the Charlie Ward era, through Notre Dame and then the kind of the Ohio State era and then obviously the kind of the takeover of, uh, of Alabama, you know, reinserting themselves, I suppose, as the, as the great college football powerhouse. So this, we are not new to this, uh, to this form of the game, are we? Uh, we're absolutely not. But I think the key for us is that if people out there who've got this in their feed now from listening to the Gridiron Show are new to it, join us on the journey because we... It's a darn well college football to get into. It's a lot. It's a lot more fragmented than the NFL. A lot more teams, and I think what we're going to try and do on this show is just guide you through those waters a little bit by essentially pointing out the key week-to-week storylines and the things that you should watch out for every Saturday. And as we do with the NFL, we'll we'll get into as much of the minutiae and breakdown as much as we can as well. But we like to think that as well as feeding some people here who are already college football fans we are going to be able to take an, an army of new fans into what you said at the start it's the purest form of the game and I think truthfully having been to a couple of games now in the States it might be the form of the game that I, I now love the most You are listening to the ESPN player Gridiron College Football Show I'm Simon Clancy along with Matthew Sherry Matt, what can people expect this year? Because like you say, we are very much going to be bringing kind of insight and analysis, but also making sure that it's linear enough for people who are kind of new to the game to, to, to understand it and to take it on board. And I think immediately it's kind of key to, to highlight if you are a newcomer to the game, and especially if you've not been to a college football game in the States, there's a very clear delineation between the NFL and college football, isn't there? There are, there are a lot of people who love 
football on a Saturday who have no interest whatsoever in the NFL on a Sunday. There are obviously fans of both. And there's obviously, obviously fans of the NFL who are very keen on the college game in part because it's college football, but also in part with half an eye or a full eye on, on the upcoming NFL draft. But those people, talk to me a little bit about those people who, who, who fit in that first category. Just the pure, you know, hardcore fans be it the fans of wisconsin or if you know down at down at florida field in in uh, in gainesville or at, you know touchdown jesus in notre dame or, or or wherever it may be in the country there really is a just a huge base of fans and fandom that really live breathe die college football and nothing else yeah i mean it's and probably the the most passionate of all the fans that you see you see in the u.s i mean i'm watching I'm watching the essentially Alabama hard knocks at the moment, which incidentally, and this wasn't planned, but is you can view it on ESPN Play. This the, the guys who who are sponsoring this podcast, and and what those people are are just the ultimate passionate fan base. I mean, the Alabama fans had essentially camped out for two days in episode two just for a little autograph session on the field with with Nick Saban and the players. They'll. Well, I think it is it Clemson where the the area where the the team is has a population of about twenty thousand, and yet is, they get yeah. eighty or ninety thousand fans in the yeah. stadium. It people travel all around the country for this, and and the, the passion's unrivaled. I mean, Simon, me and you were there watching a guy who I'm sure we'll talk about a lot this year, Trevor Lawrence, a high school kid in Georgia last year, hotly touted quarterback who we wrote about in the magazine, who'd committed to Clemson, and we went to one of his high school games. At, at the end of last year and there was there was several Clemson orange hats and jerseys in the in the stands where people were going to a high school game to watch their future quarterbacks so yeah and these are people are, who travelled these are people who travelled five and six hours yeah. to come not, not five or six miles five and six hours to come and see the future of their uh, you know of their uh, of their team of their school uh, which is you know kind of breathtaking to to think of also obviously as i mentioned we're going to be keeping half an eye on the draft and you know as we go through as we, as we do in the magazine we'll be looking at the players like nick bozer and and rashan gary and ed oliver of houston and people like that we'll be talking to players throughout the season hopefully bringing you interviews i've already had conversations with a number of players from alabama um, including Jonah Williams, the left tackle, who should enter the season as the number one uh, NFL uh, eligible left tackle in the in the draft, um, and and that will come to you in the magazine in the first uh, issue of the new season. Um, what can we look forward to? Because Alabama go into the season ranked number one, Clemson number two, but there's a whole host of teams. Georgia, who look very strong, Auburn, you know the SEC rammed as always. Auburn there. What about a team like Washington, for example, out on the West Coast? They're ranked officially ranked number eight going into the season. Jake Browning comes back. There's all sorts of incredible storylines, as there are every year, aren't there? Some of the just, just paint us a picture and weave us a picture of some of the things that we we can look forward to. Well, I think we'll get into it in, in much more depth in the next in the next edition, which um, for those listeners back home, we'll record in about fifteen minutes. But I mean, it's I think it's a wide open season in the sense that Alabama. The obvious favourites every single year, given that they seem to win it every single year. A lot of their players have went off to the NFL. Their defence is going to field about six or seven new starters. So that opens the door for everybody else. And also Alabama end of the year at the moment, they've still got a quarterback competition. Admittedly, it's a bit of a... Uh, it's a problem that many teams would love to have in that they've got a guy who has won virtually every game as a starter against a guy who came in at the national championship game last year at halftime and and won a game that it seemed like that they were guaranteed to lose in overtime. So it's a lovely problem to have. But 
you feel like the door's just slightly ajar for a team like Washington, who you mentioned, Auburn, I think a team like Michigan, a lot of people are sleeping on as well, as we'll get into. So it's the, the interesting thing about college football, for those who are new, what makes it so exciting every week is every team is essentially one bad weekend away from not having a chance to win the national championship. And I mean, you, you can afford to lose one game at most usually so you were always on that knife's edge and I think that's what makes it so exciting that on any week the presumptive favourite could lose a game that ultimately might cost them a chance to win everything so it's very much a do or die way to live and it's it's great fun to watch. Turning it back to the NFL for a moment if you were previewing the 2019 draft you obviously talk about quarterbacks and and draft experts would say oh it doesn't look like a great year for quarterbacks it doesn't quite look like it did last year and it's not the Andrew Luck kind of draft there's not but if you're a college football fan you look around the landscape of college football and you see you know Tua Tungavailoa at Alabama Will Greer at West Virginia Jarrett Stidham at Auburn Justin Herbert at Oregon Drew Locke at Missouri Khalil Tate a run first quarterback at Arizona got Jake Fromm at Georgia Jake Browning at Washington and then obviously that battle between Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence at Clemson the quarterback position is vital in the NFL but it, it kind of doesn't matter in a way in, in college football if you project the NFL it's more about projecting an offense that you can run in college football because offenses are very different at the college level aren't they than, than they are in the NFL you know we talk about pro style offenses in the NFL does the, this quarterback play out of a pro style offense well you've got all sorts of uh, you know a huge and very I suppose in a way offenses resemble high school football far more than they do the NFL at, at the college level and that brings part of the excitement in doesn't it it does and I think what makes it even more exciting in this generation is the line is becoming more and more blurred in that I mean pro style offenses virtually don't exist in college anymore but then increasingly we're seeing them exist less and less in the NFL we're seeing more movement towards a, a spread type offense and RPOs and, and a lot of those things are are bred in the college game and I'm sure there'll be another innovation in the college game in the next five years that we'll see more in the NFL so that's the exciting part for me the way they kind of blend into each other but I mean Alabama famously ran a pro style system for the first seven years of Nick, Nick Saban's tenure and then even he has gone away with that and moved into the spread which lends itself to a more exciting game with more points which is what we'll see again this season and what we see every week on Saturdays and if you're a peripheral college football fan, you know, you kind of, you know a bit about, Nick, you know who Nick Saban is and you know about Alabama and you know about USC and, uh, and you know, the, and the, you've heard of the Rose Bowl and those sorts of things. But we've touched upon it, the pageantry, the, the stadiums, the, the, the college towns, those kind of key college towns like Oxford, Mississippi and East Lansing, Michigan and, and those kind of places that are just the, the heartbeat of communities, but also incredible stadiums you know you look at Alabama 105,000 we were there at Bryant Denny last season 105,000 you know 85,000 in Tallahassee and for Florida State you go out to the Rose Bowl that's full for USC you know all these kind of wonderful the Wisconsin you know the, the Badger Stadium that the noise that reverberates around Badger Stadium Baton Rouge Louisiana in the you know all the, in the big house Michigan all these incredible kind of historical storied names that have kind of lived on through almost through through the 60s through the 70s through, you know th these are just monuments aren't they to what college football represents and they are filled with people who are representative of how incredible this game is yeah absolutely I mean I, I'd, I'd keep talking about mine and your trip last year Simon but 
we've been to a lot of NFL stadiums. I mean, I've been to the last five Super Bowls and several regular season and, and, and did playoff games beyond that. But uh, last, uh, Brian Den was, Denny was the first proper college stadium I'd been to for a game. And I think I said to you halfway through, this is just so much better than the NFL stadiums that we see. Because yeah. they just feel a bit more real, don't they? I mean, we were in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome Atlanta Stadium um was it a week later or was yeah. it a day later a week very later. clinical wasn't it in a way yeah and it's very architectural and it looks beautiful but it's also it just just didn't nothing had the soul that that Alabama and that Mississippi State stadiums had it was and, and then the soul exists around the stadium as well I mean people talk about tailgating in the US like it's a it's an art form and it is and we saw great ones in Carolina for the Panthers and they were unbelievable but there was nothing like the Alabama one that we saw I mean people we arrived in at about 10am 11am people it's absolutely packed around the stadium for a game that kicks off eight and a half hours later everybody's there in their pickup trucks I mean the setup's incredible in those trucks as well you've got big screen TVs coming out satellite dishes on them they take it so seriously but this is literally I mean maybe five times a year that is the thing that they look forward to most and it's it's truly incredible to see. And, and I mean, the noise inside the stadium, Simon, is the last thing I'd say when you mention the pageantry. I, again, several Super Bowls and everything. I've never heard noise like I heard when Mississippi State were leading Alabama in the, the, third, the third and fourth quarter of that game with those cowbells. And I remember them doing a rendition of Don't Stop Believing around the stadium. This is an atmosphere the likes of which frankly even in in any sporting event i've ever seen and i was there for the 100 meters final when usain bolt won at the olympics i've done you you have as well done probably more things than i have we've done some incredible sporting things but nothing even comes close to touching that atmosphere for me yeah i mean i've done olympic game two olympic games Ryder cups open championships wimbledon's world cups european football championships you know paralympics pretty much anything you can think of and i think the noise in in Mississippi State that night was about as about as good as it I think it's ever been. Um, I don't think that's an exaggeration to uh, an exaggeration to say that you know Davis Wade that night was you know the cowbells were ringing. It was a night game. They were beating Alabama, so it was even louder than you know we, we went down onto the field midway through the fourth quarter is because that's what you do when you're a journalist and you're you know you're able to get down to the to the field level and. Uh, just astonishing to to be down there and, and to see it, Matt. Give us a quick rundown of you know, especially for people that you know are new to the game. Apologies to to those who aren't, and don't worry, we won't be um, you know, don't feel like we're talking down to you. And we certainly won't do throughout the season. You know, there'll be plenty for everybody. Um, but just just spell out how the the national championship picture works, because obviously we end up with a with a national champion, a, a winner each year. Last year it was Alabama, the year before Clemson, last two years before that Alabama. But how do we get to that? how do we get to that point because there's obviously a college playoff but then the, how does the regular season work and talk a little bit about things like the power five conferences and what they mean just to give people a bit of an understanding yeah okay. so a primer yeah so essentially i mean you, your main things in college football is your power five conferences they're split up into sec which is the southeast alabama georgia a lot of these teams then the big 10 which is kind of your blue collar your blue collar teams like Michigan Michigan State then you've got the ACC which is on the rise at the moment because of Clemson who outside of Alabama are probably 
the, the closest thing to a dynasty in this era and there's also Florida State in there then you've got the Pac-12 which is if if the if the Big Ten is is all about defense, then the Pac-12 is is very much a combination of defense and offense. Really, you but you've got Oregon, Stanford. These are some good USC, some good academic schools as well, and Washington are, the, are kind of the big team in that now. And then the Big Twelve, which is essentially just the crazy offense conference. Um, not a lot of defense played, but. Texas are always the headline team in that, but we've seen Oklahoma in the last few years reach the playoffs and, and kind of take over the, the modern landscape of that division. And those are your power five. Then you've got some some notable independent schools such as Notre Dame, who essentially just, just fill a schedule each year against a variety of teams in the power five and non-power five. And non-power five is then just essentially the best of the rest. And generally fairly unlikely you'll get a non-power five school reaching the college football playoff although last season did we come close last season we came very close didn't we with, with um, uh, with USF, USF. Um, yeah. and USF were I think the last unbeaten team left last season of the of the teams who were ranked at the end and actually then beat Auburn who themselves beat both Alabama and Georgia last season so there's a lot of USF fans claiming that they are the de facto national champions, but they're not because ultimately now in a better system than we had previously where teams would just be ranked 1-25 to over the course of a season and then the top two would meet in the national championship game. We now have a college football playoff in which a committee of people ranging from Condoleezza Rice to Oliver Luck, Andrew Luck's father, um, decides... From about week nine onwards, I think it is, um, who they're top four are, who sit in the college football playoff. They release rankings every week so teams know where they're at. And then at the end of the season, they determine who the best four sides are in the country. Those four teams take each other on into semi-finals and the winners of that meet for the national championship. That is broad strokes what happens in the current realm of college football. I mean, I think if you're looking for... I'll give you three sort of tips of uh, of non-power five teams this season to follow. If you if you're a, a fan or you're a, a newbie or you're a betting fan, I'd say Boise State, Central Florida again, uh, and potentially Jeff Tedford's Fresno State. I think that might be three teams to look for of, of non-power five teams. Matt, I think we're done. I think that's our primer sort of ready. I'm fired up. You're fired up. Very fired um, up. We should be back. Just click on again because the episode one for real should be there for you almost immediately uh, where we will look in depth at the power five we'll talk about the heisman trophy which is the award for the best player in college football won last year of course by baker mayfield the number one overall pick of the cleveland browns we'll talk in depth about the sec and the pac-12 and the uh, and the big 10 and all those sorts of conferences the acc um, and give you some sort of inside tips as to who to look for thank you very much indeed for listening he is matt sherry i am simon clancy do not forget to listen to episode one coming shortly thanks a lot